Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. So Phil, today we're excited to welcome Bob Tykert to the Sea Captain Way podcast. Bob is a personal advisor and confidant to business owners, highly compensated salespeople, and senior level managers. He has more than 40 years of experience providing coaching in the areas of leadership, team building, sales growth, and personal productivity to help his clients achieve their goals. Bob is an accomplished public speaker and has presented on the topic of succeeding beyond your wildest fears to more than 6,000 salespeople. He's a published author of the book, Motivator Teacher Shrink, How to Attract and Develop Highly Successful Salespeople, and a former swimming coach who has coached 34 All-Americans. And the corker is that Bob is also your professional development coach. The coach's coach is here. <laughs> How about that? Yes, the coach's coach. So first of all, welcome, Bob. My gosh, how fun is this? This is really cool. Yeah, I, I have to tell the truth now. Since, uh... <laughs> <laughs> After all this time, this is a very special day for me. And uh, by the way, I'm not one of the 34 swimming All-Americans, oh. unless uh, unless you would include uh, cannonballs or belly flops, and then I'm in. But I uh, I will say, Bob is a critical part of, of my journey and inspiring in so many ways. I'm not a sea captain without uh, in the executive coaching realm without Bob wow. and uh, his guidance and perspective. So Bob, so glad to have you here and uh, welcome. Well, thanks for those kind words. I'm excited to do this and adding more value to all the things that you're doing for so many people, Phil. So yeah, I'm yeah. glad to be part of part of the team. Yeah, well, it's an honor to Thank meet you, uh, Phil's Obi Wan Kenobi in the uh, <laughs> virtually. <laughs> so, Phil, I got to ask. So, uh, just to jump right in with all the different professional development coaches and resources available, why did you pick Bob to be your coach? Oh, starting with me today. Um, yeah, I always kid Bob, and I've, by the way, I've said this to my dad before, so he won't get too crazy about it. But, but Bob is sort of my dad if my dad were emotionally available when I was a young kid. And one of the challenges in that was going growing up with my dad. Our relationship is not what it is today, and a lot of it had to do with vulnerability. A lot of it had to do with just being understood. And and I think a lot of us out there have that challenge when we're younger. Certainly, a generation ago. And Bob just filled that for me. And also, though, like my dad, which I admire, is would give me direct feedback about what I'm doing or not doing. Mm -hmm. And so I always admired that piece. And he helped me through a very difficult time in my career. And uh, so when you have somebody that walks with you like that mm -hmm. and cheers you on, gives you perspective, but also set, you know, tells it like it is, it's, it's just incredibly valuable. And so uh, that's there's my perspective. Nice. Well, I'll, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's the best advice Bob has ever given you? Ooh. Yeah, Ooh, I know you golly. paid for it. I'm going to try to get um, it for free while he's here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there. Oh my gosh, there's so many. But the one that I always probably quote the most is the three things that 
you know, whenever you're asked to do something, you know, you either can't do it, you won't do it, or you're afraid to do it. And one of the things that Bob always talks about is he did in, in, uh, his talk beyond your wildest fears just has a way of making fear risk-taking, giving that perspective with, and making it real so that it isn't this awesome thing. It just is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, that would be my one right off the top. Cool. So Bob, as a former competitive swimmer and high school swimming coach, 34 All-Americans, you talk about how coaches you've had when you were playing sports had a huge impact on your life. How did you go from being a swimming coach to a business coach? Well, the swimming coach, uh, to a business coach, I was a dean of students at a public high school and a swim coach, and I was in a leadership development program at the high school. And the superintendent of schools sent me to the University of Michigan for a weeks-long management by objectives training. <laughs> that term has evolved over 40 years, but I came back from that workshop and started using the content from the management by objectives. One, because I had people reporting to me as a department head and dean of students, and we would meet once a month and say, what do you want to accomplish in the next 30 days? And I did that with the athletes on the team. And we had the success, as you mentioned before. So parents who had kids on the team said, could you teach the managers in my company your coaching and counseling process? So I started doing that part-time, and I got a lot more fulfillment out of uh, doing that for adults than I did being a dean of students for student discipline. Right. So that kind of evolved, and so I went into business for myself and accomplished what I wanted to do as a coach, and I'm still coaching as just a different uh, athlete, successful business. Yeah, exactly. That is, uh, there really are so many similarities as, uh, as we know. Good, good. Thank you. Yeah. So Bob, Phil always says there's a lot of roadkill on the road to success and that success is not a linear process. He focuses on trying to help his clients identify and break behavior patterns that may be holding them back and not be afraid to take risks. As future leaders move up the leadership food chain and others begin to count on their direction and guidance. Many are not fully prepared for the challenges ahead. What are some of the biggest challenges your clients face as business leaders and uniquely successful individuals? Well, Phil addressed it earlier. I always say I do four things. Uh, one is I help people think through difficult problems and decisions. We have so many biases and uh, beliefs that sometimes get in the way of making a good decision. So they ask me to challenge their decisions. And since I don't have a vested interest in their decision, they don't think that I'm trying to push my point of view. I play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing that I do is I help people pe prepare for difficult conversations. You know, it's all about conversations. And, and if you're meeting with somebody and that individual doesn't seem to be in line with you and there's uh, interpersonal conflict, how do we resolve that? So always prepared for difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And then just dealing with the general stress of life. You know, people say they have anxiety. Well, if people didn't have anxiety, I'd be unemployed. <laughs> and so, you know, I give this definition of anxiety. Anxiety is lack of mastery 
not personal inadequacy. So, so many people, when they uh, uh, approach something, they say, what's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. You just haven't mastered the task you're on. And you have to master the skills and knowledge of that task. Mm -hmm. But you also have to master the thinking. That's really part of what I did as coaching athletes was sports psychology, visualization, affirmations, mental rehearsal. It's the same thing with people in business. If you think about the best athletic coaches in college football, they all have a team of psychologists helping their athletes deal with the stress of uh, performing at a high level. And the last thing is, and that's the idea of the book that I wrote, people want to develop the managers in their company. So even though the book was how to attract and develop highly successful salespeople, the content in the book is the same thing of how do you develop people? Yeah. What are the key ingredients for developing people? Yeah. That is good. That is fascinating. I love the, the concept of anxiety being lack of mastery. I've never heard it put so succinctly. Right. And th th this is the gift of Bob Tykert right there. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's the best thing he's ever told me right there. Mm -hmm. I forgot that <laughs> one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so Bob, during your 40 years of coaching, you developed your own playbook that includes effective sales motivation strategies, just mentioned it, and that work for everyone from new salespeople to top sales performers. You offer a workshop called Succeeding Beyond Your Wildest Fears. I, I just love that. Why did you decide to create this workshop and why does what does it encompass? Well, you know, in coaching, and you alluded to it before, I had coaches, like all coaches, they have high expectations. They challenge you to work hard. They put good workout programs together. You're always doing that. So you always had the drive there and you had new learning. But in 1988, my brother committed suicide. And the night before he took his life, he said to me, Bob, you'll never know how bad I feel. And so I realized that there was more to coaching than just goals and strategy. There was a, a psychological component to it. And that's why I started working with my coaches have been psychiatrists to help people figure out what's getting in the way. So, and then Daniel Kahneman wrote a book or a Nobel Prize winner in behavioral economics. Fear has twice the impact as opportunity for gain. So that's where the fear kicks in, the fear of going after something that you don't believe you can achieve, the fear of taking risks financially or psychologically. So I realized my brother just triggered me into saying I was missing a third component, and that was the psychological piece of, hmm. that we all face in making progress in our life. Wow. That is a great example of lessons and learning come in sometimes the most difficult circumstances. So I uh, appreciate you sharing all that. Well, my book is dedicated to my brother, Bruce. The concept is, I wish I knew then what I know now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the Greek and Roman philosophers said, be a lifelong learner and lead a virtuous life. The virtuous life is a little more difficult, but we can all be yeah. lifelong learners. Yeah, well, you've been an inspiration to Phil. I watched when Phil and I first started working together a couple of years ago, I watched him do some coaching sessions. He videotaped them. And it was interesting as he was had groups of advisors who he was training, and he got them to open up and be vulnerable in a way. I had, I've worked with other financial services company companies on their training program, and I never saw people 
willing to admit their weaknesses in front of their peers. You know, these guys are typically alpha male guys. But afterwards, I was trying to articulate to Phil, I'm like, I'm having a, a that was like, he reminded me of Phil Jackson. I lived in Chicago for, I watched <laughs> Phil Jackson at the height of his run with the Bulls. And I'm like, that was his, after the session was over, I was like, that was one part like locker room pep talk, one part therapy session, one part business, you know, leadership coaching. So yeah, when you, you guys get, can unpick those locks, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. So Bob, I had another question. Open collaboration with team members um, should be an integral part of a financial planning practice. And this allows advisors to draw on complementary skill sets and a deep pool of knowledge and insights to provide a concierge level of service. And a key element of this is defining priorities so everyone is clear about their role for the continued growth of the business. How do you coach your clients on how to rally their team together to work toward identifying and achieving a common goal? Well, it's interesting, Greg, that you say a common goal. Everybody thinks we have a common goal. One of the exercises I do with a group is if the leader of the team is there, I'll pass out a note card and say, write down on this note card our common goal. And then we go around the room and everybody reads it. It's amazing that there is not a common goal. Now, I would say this, the larger the the organizations I work with, larger corporations, Actually, outside the financial service industry, the goal is pretty clear because it's always uh, revenue Mm -hmm. driven. But within a financial service firm, there's a lot of stuff that could be philosophical in nature. So I do that. But there's there's another thing, too, is uh, to get clarity. Mm -hmm. I'll have the people in the room say, if you could only ask your boss one question, the answer to which would help you feel more fulfilled and and secure in your role, what would that one question be? Because people on a team want it, they're following a leader and, and helping the leader achieve their goals, but there's got to be something in it for them. So that's why that question, you can only ask one question, the answer to which would help you feel more fulfilled and secure in your role. What would that one question be? And it's amazing. It usually relates to why are we here? What are our goals? How am I doing? What's in it for me? Where do I go for? support. So it, it's really getting the person saying you're interested in helping them be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's another thing I do too, and it's a document with six, 13 questions on it to pass out to the team. And do we have a sense of direction? Do we know where we're going? Mm-hmm. But a lot of teams, do we have processes in place to help our team move forward? So the processes are planning, problem solving, effective meetings? How do we make decisions? How do we deal with all kinds of conflict? So that, and then the third element, and this is back to your question, just to reinforce it, Greg, Mm -hmm. is the personal needs of the individual on the team have to be met. And a lot of the personal needs are related to making them feel part of the team. Do they have input? (laughs) There's one other document I use, and that's a reward document. And there's 18 possible rewards for doing good work. So the people in the team pick five of the 18 and then prioritize them. And then so many times the rewards they're looking for have nothing to do with benefits or money. A chance to accomplish something worthwhile, independence and autonomy, mm-hmm. a, a chance to learn new things, a chance to be part of decision making. 
So these are more of the personal needs that make people feel that they want to be part of a team, mm-hmm. which goes back to a word that everybody uses a lot. And that's what's the culture? Yeah. Do you really value the people on the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you notice, Greg, how Bob is always so precise and so clear in really complex items, yeah. stuff that people really have a tough time yeah. measuring. And one of the things that we do in the diagnostic tool Okay, is we talk about one of the biggest reasons why people can't retain people is because they don't have a growth plan. Mm-hmm. There just is no pathway for them, and they don't they don't know where their role is. They don't know how do I contribute to this culture mm-hmm. that Bob's talking mm-hmm. about. So, Bob, uh, you published a book called Motivator, Teacher, and Shrink. Okay, how to develop highly su- successful salespeople. It offers insight about the skills necessary to help salespeople increase their drive to achieve bigger goals while reducing the fear and anxiety of making change. What was your inspiration for writing the book and what topics do your workshops on this topic cover? Well, one of the reasons I wrote the book, they have consistency. So there's six chapters and each chapter deals with a key element of helping people grow. So the first one is just continued growth as a result of drive and new learning minus the interference of self-defeating thinking that clutters the mind. That's the whole idea of figuring out what's getting in the way of making progress. So that's it. The second chapter is all about uh, the communication skills. Third chapter is about how do you recruit people interviewing and really finding out if this is a person you want on your team. And then the fourth chapter is what you're doing with all of your software on that's on the internet now, uh, that people have a focus plan to move forward. And then five is how do you structure a coaching? And then the sixth chapter is diagnosis is easy. Prescriptions difficult is how do you, uh, you know, it's, you, what are the things to help people increase their drive or tools to use? to help them deal with their self-defeating thinking. So, and then I did it for consistency because every one of the chapters is a, you can find books, you're spending the rest of your life learning about those six key elements. So I don't have the, you know, all the knowledge in that area. So it's a framework for consistent messaging on the six things that you need to be working on if you're going to be helping individuals grow. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, and Bob, can you expand on when you say self-defeating thinking? I mean, I think I know what you mean, but Phil has made that reference before, and I think it's a powerful concept. How would you describe that? What examples do you see of people that are limiting themselves with that type of? Well, it's uh, one of the things people, I don't like being a salesperson. <laughs> They're in sales, <laughs> and I, I Right. I don't know if people like salespeople. Right. I don't know right. if they like salespeople or not. Yeah. But, you know, a self-defeating thought was, one is, am I going to ever be able to write a book? I got a D in rhetoric and A in speech, and I flunked out of college. So a self-limiting belief is, <laughs> holy cow, how am I going to do this book? And so you have to think about not only, well, where did that belief come from? So whenever anybody has a belief, you just say, where did that belief come from? Mm-hmm. And they oh, I don't know where it came from. Well, let's explore that. That's cognitive therapy. Right. Cognitive therapy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Phil does, you know, when I spoke with him when we first 
started working together, he talked to me about having a vision and don't worry about the obstacles right away. You know, what would you do if money weren't the object, if geography weren't the object, if your, you know, your family dynamic wasn't an issue, what would you do? What could you achieve? I almost couldn't even process an answer <laughs> with the, with that clean of a <laughs> slate. He like it stumped me. I'm like, I've never had totally <laughs> clear sailing like that in my life. So, well, Here's an example around beliefs when somebody is making excuses, yeah. the reasons they're not making progress, and somebody says to them, well, that's BS. The conversation is over. Mm -hmm. So what, all excuses have an element of reality to it. Sure. So the, the word here is, again, being curious on the reasons they said what they did. Mm -hmm. And then Freud talks about seven basic uh, defense mechanisms counselors have to break through to get people to deal with reality. You know? Yeah. So it's, you know, one of them is people being passive. I don't know what I can do. And so, so many coaches will say, well, let me tell you what to do. Well, they don't own the problem then. Right. So you've got to get right. them engaged in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Bob, in your book, you also talk about what you call the secret of change. And this includes not only tips about the importance of being able to change yourself, but also helping those on your team change. Can you expand on your insights about that thought of the secret of change in that context? Well, Dr. Charles Betts, who was my psychiatrist for 20 years, I said, Charlie, you've gotten people to change. What's the secret? He says people change when they get constant challenge from somebody they respect. So the respect has to come in. I remember when we role played and I'd ask a question and he wouldn't answer it right away. And I'd jump in and ask a different question or I'd answer the question. And he says, Bob, you got to listen better. <laughs> and it kind of ticked me off. And I, I, I said, okay, smarty pants, what's the longest you ever went from asking a question to getting an answer? <laughs> and he said, eight hours. And I said, oh, give me a <laughs> He said, well, you need to know where this was. I'm teaching residents the psychology counseling session in med school, a patient comes in, sits down, and you ask the magic coaching question. What do you want to talk about today? The person looked at Charlie for an hour. Charlie knew all about his background, medical records, everything. He could have told him what was wrong. He said at the end of the hour, do you want to come back tomorrow? He said, yes. On the eighth meeting, he said, here's what I want to talk about. It's all about trust. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It's all about People need to feel safe, in control, and understood. The safe is not judging anything they say. In control is kind of interesting because we think we're in control when we're talking. We're not. The psychologically, the person that feels in control is the one that's talking. The person really controlling an interview is the one that asks what and how questions, open-ended questions, to get the people continuing to validate what they said. Yeah. Understood is easy. Hey, here's what I heard you say. And they said, well, I didn't say that. Well, tell me what you said. What did you say? Safe, in control, and understood. Now, the challenge is challenging them on what they want, not what I want for them. So this goes back to what you asked a long time ago, or not a long time, in this interview, mm -hmm. a common goal. What's the goal you want me to help you achieve? So we have to have alignment on the goal, and we challenge them on that. And let me mention this too. People always say you got to hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. 
I remember a client said, Bob, hold me accountable. I said, what do you want me to do when you don't follow through? He said, hold me accountable. I said, I don't know what that means. You want me to call your wife and tell her you're a loser? <laughs> Write a letter to your kids saying you're letting them down? He said, no, hold me accountable. Let me give you this. The definition of accountability is having a meaningful conversation with somebody you respect to diagnose and eliminate the root cause of a performance problem. And Phil said this earlier, the root cause of a performance problem is they really didn't want to do it. They didn't know how to do it or they were afraid to do it. So that's what accountability is. Mm -hmm. It's a meaningful conversation to help people diagnose and eliminate the root cause of a performance problem. You, Greg, you starting to see why I work with this guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He give you a talking to. I see you're you're. I think that's what makes Phil successful. Maybe it's his Midwestern South City. That's Phil does not take bullshit really. You know, if you if you try to yeah. shaggy dog story does not fly. Not that I've hopefully tried too many, but he's a bulldog when it's game time. So that is that well, is and you good asked, stuff. Well, it's interesting you say that. I spoke at this sales meeting for a client of mine that sells chemicals in 19 different countries. Mm-hmm. And I talk about communication skills, how to deal with difficult people. Every country, it was one of the most difficult workshops I ever did. Said We can't talk to people that way or ask those questions in our country. So the culture of the country Mm -hmm. impacted communication skills. And it was really different. Even in the United States, my directness, you know, being from the North, when I'm in the South, I have to temper some of my directness a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it is, it is interesting. Uh, what you had another thought, Greg? Well, just when you said, just because you're, you're speaking doesn't mean you're communicating was, uh, I heard a Columbia University, he was a linguist, and he was critiquing a politician. And he said, oh, his vocal cords are vibrating. Yes, but he's not speaking and communicating. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay, just because you're making a sound. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's we uh, we got to put a ramp yeah. on this thing, but but I think uh, Greg, I hope in the audience notices as well is that I have a very dominant personality. Mm-hmm. I know that will surprise no one on this, but but when when you come against some when you come up with somebody who can sh- shoot you straight and will call you on it because I I can work my way around just about any obstacle, but when somebody calls you on this stuff, it's really important. And Bob, that's one of my uh, great appreciations for you and what you've done for me. And with that being said, you are valued by your clients, including me, for your listening ability, the great questions you ask. You've done it already so well. Why do you think it's crucial for an executive business leader to work with a coach who has mastered effective questioning and listening skills to get to the core of the problem? Well, I I mentioned it earlier on how long Charlie took to get to an issue. Somebody didn't want to say anything for eight hours. You got to be curious because people really don't even understand sometimes what they're saying. They're giving you the answer that you want to hear. The culture has made them say, here's the answer I want to give. So it's the idea of being curious. Mm -hmm. I want to be curious about what's going on here. And, uh, The first answer is not always 
what they really want to say. But curiosity is really important. Yeah. And so, uh, Bob, I know you have, as we wrap this up today, I know you've retired and unretired, what, like six times, I think, so far. <laughs> yeah. I had a client ask me what's next, and I had to give him an answer. <laughs> so, yeah, they asked Bear Bryant when he retired, what are you going to do? He says, I'll probably die. And 18 months later, he was dead. So I guess I don't want to die at age seven. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So uh, how do people get in touch with you or get in touch with your book? What? Uh, how do they well, connect with the, you? The book can be purchased. Uh, it's a Kindle version. Luckily, I've, uh, they're out of print. That was a good thing for me. And then my website's pretty easy, Bob Tiger. Just Google my name, Bob Tiger, T-E-I-C-H-A-R-T. The documents on drive and self-defeating think are in the resource section of my website. So those are available for anybody that wants to use them. Well, again, thank you, my friend, for all you do for me, but all you're doing today for others. Greg, uh, question asked and answered. Yeah, about th- why it was I a pleasure meeting you, Bob. I can see your background as a uh, dean of students in your direct manner. There, there were a couple of times I thought I was in trouble during this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this this, this was way too much fun, yeah. Greg. You were, I said this when we talked a few weeks ago. You're a great interviewer. Oh, thank well, thank you. you. I appreciate it. He, <laughs> this is, he is way great. too much fun. Fun. Phil, continued success. Be well, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, my Bye friend. Now. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey. 